Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We are back once again. This is the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. I'm Joshua Fisher, along with Alexander Disopolis, Nicholas Snacks Kreider, and the Quan Cosby. This is Horns Up Talking Texas. So get your horns up because here we go. We are back once again. It is the pseudo offseason because basketball is kicking up and we're going to have a lot of basketball coming at you guys uh, in the coming shows post New Year. But last week was absolute insanity. We're all on our phones. We're all on the couch. We're trying to make any sense of recruiting going on. News is breaking. And at the center, I was added to this secret group and introduced to this guy, our guest today, CJ Vogel. And he's pretty much running a group of 100 plus dudes hitting and breaking information at Woj speed and Schefter speed. It's almost as if like you're in the locker room, like you have like speak. I, I don't want to like, assume that you have rings in everyone's locker rooms, dude, but it, you had literally the pulse on every recruit going on. Uh, how are you how, literally? How are you doing? Because we know it's a hectic week and welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. No. The same category as Schefter and Rappaport, no shot. But uh, no, this is, it, it's cool. That group message is cool. I, I like being a contributor there. I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a ringleader by any any means, but no, it's cool. Anytime I can get around a group of guys that all enjoy talking Texas football, you know, and that's a passion of mine. So, I mean, why not? And so, obviously, this is great opportunity for me to jump on with y'all and, and continue doing the same. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a lot of big recruits come in. The mullet, as everyone's calling him, the biggest of them all the biggest fish money wise and talent wise outside of the mullet. Who would you say is the biggest recruit and most important recruit we got? Yeah. Most important and biggest. Uh, I got to start with Kelvin banks. I mean, you know, it's, it's rare for Texas, especially Texas to, to be landing a five-star offensive tackle who could probably start, you know, day one. Mm. Uh, and when you look at the root of Texas's problems over the last couple, couple years, you know, ever since, you know, the heyday back in 09, you know, before then, it's been the offensive line, you know, you've, you've had times where, uh, you know, the offensive line has, has been the Achilles heel. You've had times where the defense was the Achilles heel and they all start in the trenches. And when you look at a guy like Kelvin Banks and you see what he brings on film during his senior season, you're looking at a guy that could definitely start right away at either tackle position and will likely be there for three or four years, uh, you, you know, really anchoring that offense, you know, and aside from him, if you want to get even bigger, it's Cameron Williams. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Cameron Williams, you look at him six, seven, three sixty. When you watch him play, he doesn't, he doesn't look three sixty, And that's remarkable for a kid his age, because you know, it, it, you're 360 pounds. You shouldn't be able to move that well. But with a basketball background, 
he's going to open a lot of eyes early on. And I think both of those guys are, are two guys that Texas really locked into with the, the Oregon coaching changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think they're both going to have very successful uh, stints uh, at Texas during their career. You mentioned the basketball background, and I love it when athletes come in and they play multiple sports. And we got one with us right here, Quan Cosby. I mean, Quan playing multiple sports definitely translates on the college football field, huh? No, nah, man, it really does. And I, I have to digress and play. I actually am funny about recruiting, man. Coach Brown um, didn't make me do it a lot because I had this bias. Clearly, I'm biased for Longhorns, and I had this rule that. I really struggle investing time with people who may choose Oklahoma or AM or the rest of them. So when they get on campus, I'm all in. I'm like, dude, I'll be a mentor, especially since I was older. But uh, so it makes your job that much more important because it's cool and, and we do have to pay attention to it. So kudos for the hard work y'all do, especially nowadays, because these mofos are crazy. It's, in, <laughs> it's all kinds of stuff. So kudos for what y'all do. But yeah, man, dual athletes is always big, especially a dude, though, you said a six, seven, 300 pound dude. Don't look that. That's insane to me. That's that's freaking awesome. That's a damn wall. That's that's, yeah, that's downtown, the owl building. And so it's literally awesome, if you got on my shoulders, Q, like if you <laughs> got on my shoulders and like that's the weight and that's the height of that guy <laughs> right. who were bringing in a tackle. Uh, I mean, the dual we say all the time on our on our sister pod, the charity stripe, how important at least we used to say in the beginning of like our, you know, when we first started recording how important it is for athletes to play multiple sports. Nick, you played multiple sports in high school. Obviously, toss so did you. I stunk, but like I probably, if I was good, played multiple sports. And the, but like you go across the board, like Todd Helton was the starting quarterback at Tennessee before Peyton Manning. And he's oh, yeah. a first baseman in Colorado. He's an all-star first baseman. Oh, what a and sweet swing to left side. Joe, yeah. I, mean, I was in Colorado this week. I went by the stadium and he hit a lot of home runs outside of that in that elevation. So yeah, yeah. great example there, baby. Thanks, man. Uh, but as far as the recruiting season goes, CJ, we'll start with you and then we'll go to UQ because you guys have both experienced a lot and then we'll kind of tailor in us three. Is this the craziest recruiting season by far? Is that even a, a fair question? Because it, it seems like it has been. No, absolutely. I, I mean, at least since I started covering it, which is probably four or five years ago. So, I, you know, I don't have the most experience in the field, but, I mean, the, the, the month of December alone with every single coaching change just seemingly popping up out of nowhere. I mean, uh, you know, you heard the rumors of Lincoln heading, you know, down to the bayou, and then the next day he's headed to California and, and Los Angeles. And that mm-hmm. obviously, you know, knocked over tons of dominoes afterward where Brian Kelly then takes LSU, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff <laughs> happening. Uh, Chris Ball heading down to Miami. Teams that didn't even need the coaching change were changing coaches simply because they, you know, seemingly wanted to. And they had that. As a result, you had, you know, classes 15 to 20 kids, talented prospects that could have gone to, you know, a number of power five programs across the country are now looking for a new home and a new coaching relationship, you know. I mean, you saw it right away. Uh, Oklahoma opens up. Texas is able to flip a very talented linebacker from Lubbock. You know, Oklahoma finds their guy, Brent Venables, over in, uh, you know, from Clemson, comes in. He's one of the best linebacker developers in all the country. Three days later, he's, he's flipping back to Oklahoma. And so it's stuff you never expect. And, I mean, this year is – I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before and made for a, a, a lot of fun on Twitter, I guess. Yeah, Twitter was popping. Dude, that's the thing, man. It's recruiting was kind of boring back in our days. We had some good classes, but it, this mayhem of coaching changes, craziness thing, a lot of things were pretty stable. But, dude, 
again, I, I joke about not really watching it, but you're crazy as hell if you're not. You know, I'm getting text messages, which, by the way, Clay, I'm going to have to get your number because you can answer a lot of the, the recruiting questions I get that I have absolutely no idea half the time and they're throwing out names. I'm like, who are you even talking about? So I need <laughs> your help. But, um, but when they get here and how, how it works itself out and of course, Twitter helps like crazy, dude, it was insane. It was uh, to your point, the, the coaching changes. Now coach Venables actually recruited me pretty hardcore when he was at Oklahoma before, of course they ran him off and brought him back. And, um, and yeah, he is one one of the best. He had a lot of success. <laughs> Stoops chose his brother over Venables, which is crazy because Venables was that good. But man, the moves, the flips, the changes, the linemen, the the pancake factory that they just it is drinking from a freaking fire hose. And I'm all here for it because after <laughs> having a five and seven season and to have the results we did. I was, uh, dang, I was somewhere and I, I was repping my Longhorn. Oh, I was at the Broncos game and I was yeah. repping my Longhorn hat. And this dude was like, is that a freaking Longhorn hat? And I was like, damn right it is. But he didn't say rock chalk, which is crazy. I was like, dude, don't even talk to me. Yeah. But the um, he said, man, how the hell did y'all pull off that class when y'all had such a rough season? But that's the craziness with the coaching changes with with Sark and his crew. We we heard the stories about Banks and Flood and all of these different guys. I, I would like to know from your standpoint, because you talk to the players or parents and all of that. Clay, I mean, are these guys that I mean, clearly they're respected because they're a top five class after having a really rough year? But what do the play? What do the recruits say about you know this new staff and and how they believe in them? Because I think that's a hard task after a five and seven year. Um, you know, to still, you know, pull that trigger and want to be a part of that change. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. And I, I think credit to the kids that, that you know, had been committed for a long time, heard from every school that was, you know, also recruiting them, pitching the same thing. You know, it's the opposite, basically. You know, why are you going to Texas? They're five and seven. You know, what do you see there that thinks you're going to be, you know, uh, more well suit off or whatever going to Texas and then coming to my program where we're, you know, 10 win program going to a nice bowl game. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's credit to the coaching staff as well, obviously pitching the vision. You know, you are the missing piece. You know, without, without you moving forward, we're going to be in the same situation. However, you come to Austin, Texas, you come to a very, a very good uh, institution at the University of Texas, you can play in front of 100,000, you could be the change. You know, you could be who returns Texas to, to want what they once were. And I, I think a lot of it, Actually, I'll I, I kind of change gears here. I actually, I actually talked to a recruit, you know, kind of in the middle of the Texas high school playoffs. And, you know, they were very blunt. And I think this was kind of the, the coach's uh, pitch to them was, you know, we don't have a lot of talent. And you can kind of see that we've had a lot of talent leave. Uh, you look at the receiving position, you know, we, we coming into the year, you're supposed to have Troy O'Meary injured, gone for the year. Uh, J- Joshua Moore, he was supposed to be, a, you know, a number two, number three guy for us. He, he left the team. Uh, Jordan Winnington, who, you know, I, I love is a great sure hand third, third down guy. Can't stay on the field, but you're left with Xavier Worley. And you're left with a couple guys who are, you know, forced to kind of pick up the pieces and pl- kind of play above, you know, what their talent kind of uh, entails for them. And so when the coaches are pitching, you know, you can come in and play right away and be the guy that, you know, puts us over the hump. People are seeing that. And going back to that story about the recruit that I was talking about earlier, he flat out told me, he was like, hey, man, like these, these guys kind of suck. He's like, you know, the, the quarterbacks have been iffy all year. They don't have anybody to throw to. The line can't block for him. Quite frankly, like, 
I don't know where, you know, Tom Herman had all these guys to begin with coming into the year because I don't know how they were winning some games with the talent. They, the excellence that Sark had at Alabama where, you know, it's a receiver won the, the Heisman. And that's the first time since when? I mean, it's rather remarkable that the two highest uh, offensive production years Alabama's ever had were with Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. So he can, he can pitch that. And he can go out and find, you know, pretty much the same similar talent that Alabama is able to attract there at Texas inside the state and try to replicate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's you, also easy. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say like you hit the nail on the crazy thing is about Sark is he still had a top tier offense, in the big 12 with the bad quarterback play or the iffy quarterback play with the, with, with dude, we, we came on Whittington was my guy to start the year. He goes down and that was so unfortunate. And that honestly was a major game changer because you, you bring up third down and that killed our third down package with him out. He was the shorthand guy. Uh, Bijan was like, you know, became more predictable. The line was weak and we still had a top tier offense in the big 12, like outside the Iowa state game, we pretty much were a dominant offense. It was the defense that couldn't stop a nosebleed and the five it, it's, I mean, for us, Austin is an easy sell. Like we get it. Like I, one of the questions I have is like, I don't get a big thing amongst like people we talk to, you know, kind of us on the show is like, why a And M like, why is a And M pulled off this historic class? Just like, it seems like every year consistently, they're going to win nine games, eight games, maybe 10 games, but are they really going to get to the playoff? I mean, maybe with this talent they can, but with Sarkeesian, you get a guy like yours in the mix a guy who's supposed to be this upper echelon, Andrew Luck, Vince Young type talent. You get a couple receivers there. I mean, he Devonta Smith won a Heisman trophy. I mean, Cooper cup is putting up numbers that are video game status. He's got yeah. more fantasy football points than the next guy by 27 in the history of fantasy football. And he's not even being mentioned in the MVP. Like that's where like for a receiver to win an award like that in football, it's pretty, it's pretty insane, especially when guys put up these kinds of numbers in college football. I mean, I think the offense is there, but it's, it's a good, it's, I guess it's kind of concerning to hear how glaring it is that like we don't have the talent, but it also is good to hear that these guys want to come in and be the guy. Like that's what you need for the program to win and succeed. Dude, we've had so many guys come on, you know, DJ and all of them. And it, you talked about Austin being that attractive thing. We live in Austin. You know, I, I joke and laugh when I was in the league with some of the, you know, Tuscaloosa, Auburn, certainly College Station. You don't move back to those places, you know, no when you're done with school, you, you visit them. And so I think the combination of what these guys are doing, um, this, this staff, Austin being not just a place to go to school, but a place you want to move back after the league. Um, all of those things are huge for what we saw in this class. And, you know, say it is, I always joke with, with some of the players I get to know. I was like, man, y'all, I want y'all to ball out. You know, and it hadn't quite happened yet, but to be around this place when you're winning, oh my goodness! It, it, it and to be a part of that change, to to, to be to, to be that team that win it after 35 years, all that stuff, it is absolutely next level. So kudos to the kids who decided to come because if you want to be a part of that, if you want to pursue that, Austin, the University of Texas. It is second to none when it comes to getting back to, to where we need to be. So, yeah, I, it makes perfect sense, um, even in a rough year. Um, but no, it's it's first year. It's no excuses. It's facts that we needed some some holes to fill. And that's the coolest thing from my standpoint is in watching this recruiting process. It wasn't about sure. The stars kind of worked itself out, but it was truly very strategic and filling gaps. 
that we may have from a roster standpoint. And and kudos to Sark and, and Cass that I just felt like there was a great plan. And sure, we always want to be number one, two, three, whatever it may be. But I think it was executed pretty damn good from filling certain levels of the gap um, and, and and just kind of getting dues that, that I think we need. And that can play pretty freaking early on to try to get things rolling before we go to – because I know we haven't talked about it in a while, but we, we are going to the SEC uh, – soon and so uh getting that stuff in order and and filling those gaps and and kind of you know getting that perspective done before we make that move and the hell with that for next year because we want to win now that's how this place works so mm-hmm. i think they did a heck of a job from that standpoint cj i'm alluding back to what josh said a little bit ago is why AM, right and i know we're a texas show but i feel like when texas a&m is successful it's good for Texas as well. I mean, we, we want to, we want both programs to be good so we could play each other when we get to the SEC and it's a fun matchup. So my question is, how did this happen for AM this season? Why are all these guys deciding to fall here? And I mean, is this something that we're looking forward to for the next, you know, five, 10 years? Like, are they going to continue to be this powerhouse like Alabama that just dominates recruiting classes? I mean, I know a lot of it has to do with Jimbo Fisher. And from what I've heard from recruits is he's a man of his word. Like there was one recruit that came out and said that Jimbo was the only coach that like kept to his word or something, whatever that meant. But elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, a and over the last 10 years has done a tremendous job with their, their program facelifts. You know, when you talk about, you know, the nicest facilities, uh, you know, the, the nicest weight rooms, the nicest locker rooms, a and always up there. And I know that's not necessarily everything that you need and want as a, you know, as a big time recruit, but I mean, it's certainly going to, it's going to wow you on the visit. When you leave the visit, it's going to be, you're going to be sitting there talking like, wow, you know, that was some of the nicest stuff I've seen. You know, this is a place I want to go every day whenever I play football. So that certainly sits there. You know, you think of Oregon and all the nice amenities they have up in Eugene. You know, you, you think about the Nike stuff, you know, all the perks that they get right. there. And, you know, it, it sits with recruits whenever they leave the visit. They're like, you know, that was, that was tremendous. And so you saw what Tom Herman was trying to do, you know, the last couple of years that he was at Texas was, you know, I've got to, I've got to up the arm race. You know, I've got to catch up here. Cause you go, you know, the same recruits that Texas is recruiting against A&M, you know, they're going to TCU and they're seeing the nice facilities they have up there. They're going to Oklahoma. They're going to LSU. And at the time, Texas was falling behind all these places. Uh, so what makes A&M special? I'd certainly say, you know, the, the, the nice uh, amenities there that, you know, the, the football stuff they got there, obviously playing in front of 110 is not a, a bad thing. And, you know, I, I think they kind of twist what we call a cultiness uh, from, you know, the Texas perspective. I think they twist that into to very passionate and prideful fans. And I think recruits see that, you know, their fan you base know, is it, great. Dude, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely great, man. You go to that place and I th- you think about even A&M this year, eight and four or whatever they were. And in years in the past, when we were kicking and their butt, still they still had one hundred and five hundred and ten thousand people there. You know, I, I joke all the time. I love our Longhorn Nation, but I'm like, you don't they're not fickle. They, they, we can call it a no. cold all we want, but they're showing up. And yeah. then to take it to another level, too, we talked about the carousel of coaches. Um, Jimbo passed on some things. I know he was reached out to about Baton Rouge, about other places. Kids choose an A&M, why A&M? Because they have made a very long term investment in the stability of their coach. 
You know, I, I think that's a big deal. One of the crazy things is it's crazy how it comes full circle. Mac Brown recruited me as, as good as anyone, him and Coach Chambers. But I'm telling you, man, um, R.C. Slocum was right there with him. I love R.C. to this day. He, he's just so good. Um, and, and he showed up and we were right down the street. So he, he would drive down Highway 6 and come to practice and sign autographs for, you know, the, 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 my town the size of Allen's class. But the um, it was so cool. And but I asked R.C. this this one thing. I was like, hey, Coach Slocum, I'm hearing these rumors about you're not going to be here. You know, what, what are your thoughts? And R.C. said, well, I can't make that promise to you. You know, ultimately. I want to be here. I love this place. I'm going to be around for a long time, but he said, it's going to be really tough for a lot of coaches to make that call. And I, again, to this day, appreciate his honesty about it. Um, and he said, he's like, you know, the one coach that I think <laughs> may be there is going to be Mac. Mac has done a phenomenal job and he was right about that too. So I think, and was that again, that their AD, uh, like him or not, he's made the right calls. They've done the right things. They've invested. An insane amount of money and people thought they were bet crazy but then for them they are that school that regardless of how this year goes they beat alabama they're going to celebrate it probably going to make some t-shirts may even get a ring but that's how they you work beat the bama and so, <laughs> you beat, and, and so they have made those moves and they have those highlights and they have that stability we love sark we think he's the guy but he's in year one Jimbo has a few years on him. So I think that stability also factors into people choosing AM, Coliseum, and what the, the vision they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You got, yeah, you definitely have to, like you talk about a lot, Quan. They, they drink some of the maroon Kool Aid. And once you've had a sip of the maroon Kool Aid, the next sip tastes even better. And you got to tip your cap to them a little bit because those seven and three games, when, when, they, when they lose more than two games in a season, guess what? Their fans still show up. And we've had a tough time in the past 10 years when we lose two games and we know that maybe we're not in big 12 championship contention anymore. And we're especially not in BCS can champ, not BCS, not college football, CFB championship contention anymore. We decide not to show up. Sometimes some of the fans decide not to show up and that, and that goes a long way. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you said, CJ, about the recruits, you know, being truthful in, in this information age, like, these kids, their BS meters are way, way better than they used to be 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and so if you, sure. if you tell me, like, look at Ohio State. You can't, you can't be recruited by Ohio State if you're Jameson Williams and they say, hey, man, you're going to be our guy. And then you're not because there's four other receivers that are there getting all the touches. And you were told that when you were a senior in high school coming in, okay, I'm going to go transfer somewhere where I know I can be the number one guy or, or number two guy, right? You've got Mechie there, but Mechie went down. Jameson Williams becomes the guy. So I think it's like, we're in kind of a good position here. Weirdly yeah. to say that with our record that we were, we had a terrible record, but it really was an honest pitch to say, you can come here and immediately play and immediately make an impact on a prestigious university and team. Yeah. I mean, that's a no brainer. I mean, that's, we just reap the benefits of that by getting yours. I mean, I, that's a perfect example, CJ, throw me three guys. Okay. Most underrated signing by Texas, the biggest miss by Texas, and maybe a guy or two that we could still sign. 
All right. That seems easy enough. Um, <laughs> Ooh, light, light work for our boy. <laughs> Another day at the office. This is this is a Quan Cosby hole in one. I don't know if Quan has mentioned yet. He hit a hole in one recently. I just have to throw Damn, that out. Was sweet. <laughs> I got you, dude. I did not do it today, but on that hole, I lift out for birdie. But I digress. We're, we're going to go back to you, bro. Because I, I, I am very intrigued about this question. I, I want to know. Yeah. I mean, most underrated. I'll go with I'll go with both Westlake uh, signees. So, you know, you got Connor Robertson up on the offensive line and you got Ethan Burke on the defensive line. He's huge. Uh, that guy's humongous. 6'7", six, seven, six, right? Seven, yeah, yeah. So he – and he doesn't move like a 6'7". That's a continuing <laughs> a theme here. But, I mean, he – I believe he was one of the top lacrosse players in the country. He had previously committed to, to Michigan for football and lacrosse, so that tells you right away what type of athlete he was. I saw um, Westlake play three times this year. He probably had 10 sacks in those three games. And, oh you know, it was against pretty, pretty good opponents. Yeah. Uh, but that just kind of tells you what he's like turning the corner. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, Connor Robertson, you know, when, when you go off the composite ratings on the on 24-7 sports, you know, you look at him, you're like, oh, you know, he's a three-star. You know, he's the lowest rating, you know, lowest rated guy of the class. But let me tell you, the kid plays nasty and he cares. And it's hard to find, you know, offensive linemen that, that have both of those, you know. Uh, you look at him, he's a team leader at Westlake who obviously just went undefeated and won the, the state championship. So he's a, he's a guy that I'm, I'm looking at as a center prospect at the next level. I like both of them. Mm-hmm. The guy we missed on it, I mean, it's Evan Stewart. It, it, it's easy as that. And for him to, to be down in College Station, you know, where they haven't had a great track record of utilizing phenomenal wide receiver talent, that stings even more. Uh, but, but, yeah, so Sarkis, I mean – Right away, you can point to my my one recruit on campus right now as a freshman All-American, if I'm Sark. Yeah. You know, yeah. what I could do with you next to him, we would break like we would break college football. Not to and mention yet, pointing at the Bamers. And not to mention pointing at the Bama guys that he worked with as well. I mean, it wasn't just Devontae Smith either, right? I mean, Dude, Bama, he had Jalen Waddle too. Oh, I was about to say, they had a bunch of Texas kids. Is what they had. Yep. It was Rugs, awesome, Judy, it, dude. They had an yes. arm. They had an army, like an yeah. arm. They had four for. They had four top fifteen picks. Yeah, that's and so. That's yeah, it, absolutely. It was Evan Stewart, and I, I mean, wide receiver still is you know a position <laughs> of need. Um, and so I mean, Texas is going to have to portal that one up, and I think there's a kid out of UTEP that you know they should definitely have their eye on, uh, Jacob Cowing. So. Uh, and then to answer your last question, who could they still get after? I, I think uh, the the safety out west, Larry Turner Gooden. You know, safety is a position I think is is very underrated on the the list of needs for Texas this offseason. And I think he, along with B.J. Allen and you know Austin Jordan, some of these guys could definitely fit in and, and make a compelling case to start day one next year. Mm-hmm. Well, safety is a, a position of important. We had a receiver turn safety start. I was like. Hey, listen, th- th- again, I, this guy is either going to go first round or th- this is not good. You know, I'm just being honest. This is crazy. N- no one just flips positions and go to start. So, yeah, great, great call on, on that, that from that perspective. Man, I got another question, kind of, because it's there's no way around it. Clearly, you can't talk about NIL stuff in recruiting. But let's be real here. Um, social media, if you're on any of it, it's happening. From your standpoint, your world, conversations you may be having with families, because everybody's like, well, they're making a financial decision and all of that. 
do you think it's gone to that? Clearly, I, I think we all feel it, there, that, that factors in, but how much, you know, if, if it's on a scale of the NIL perspective, do you think people are making those decisions now from that basis? Yeah, I think it's it's playing a big factor. And, you know, especially with the two in-state schools now, we point at, you know, Texas A&M's number one class. You know, we talk about the fans and the facilities, but, I mean, it, NIL also helps there a lot. And I think, obviously, what Texas has come out with, uh, with you know, the Clark Fuel Collective and then uh, the Pancakes for Heart, I mean, those two things, I don't think any other school in the country has something like that. At least not something that they can publicly, uh, you know, advertise and promote and market their, their possible recruits for. And so that's certainly sitting, you know, very high on the minds of kids that, you know, you know, may need that right now. And so uh, it, it, it's there. And, you know, one of the, the biggest examples of NIL money that has, has come to my, you know, my mind over the last, you know, couple, couple months was, you know, you look at Luther Burton, you know, he was the number one receiver in the country out of St. Louis. He had previously committed to, to Oklahoma, go play for Lincoln Riley. Wide receivers in Lincoln's offense do great things. We all know that. To the moon. Flips to Missouri. Why? He called it a business decision. He knows if he stays home, he can be the shining gem in that class to stay home and then, you know, potentially bring light back to Missouri, or, you know, propel them up that next notch on the ladder. And, and you know, being able to, to retain that talent and keep it home is going to make him more appealable for for any type of NIL money or, you know, businesses wanting to make any type of uh, advertisement deals with him. Mm-hmm. Had he gone to Oklahoma, he would have just been another receiver in a class or in a program that spits out receivers like the, you know, their candy. So, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, that's one of the biggest things for me. I mean, he, he's the number one receiver in the country and, yeah. you know, yeah. saying no to a, a head coach that has, has done nothing but produce quarterbacks and receivers. Like it's nothing since he's been there to chase a bag and go be a guy at, a, at the hometown school. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's big time for, for big recruits like that. And HBCU, you got Dion, you know, getting yeah. a pretty good prospect as well. It's it, again, it, it's happening. Well, and and, and I, it's, I tell you, that's the best, that's the best football prospect I've ever seen. Travis Hunter. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. He, he's different. There were seven on seven tournaments in the spring this past year that I'd see him in attendance. He'd be triple covered, lob it up, touchdown. It's like, it is he going to play closed. both sides? You know, I, why not? <laughs> I don't know the answer, but why not? I mean, they're going to corner up. by trade. In my opinion, he's going to be coached by the greatest cornerback of all time. But yeah. when you see his ball skills and the way that he can, you know, make plays out of nothing, he's, he's special. I mean, if it goes according to plan, right? And if Dion can pass along some knowledge and shape him and to be this protege, you know, baby, baby Optimus Prime over here, like, let's try to assume that he's probably going to be a top five draft pick, right? And hopefully have a similar career to Dion. I mean, I think it's a, a good move on his part. And of course, I'm sure there's a lot of NIL money that has to do with that as well. Um, That's a crazy there, are, statement. there are a couple of big recruits still out there that are on Texas's radar. One, Devon Campbell, who is a crystal ball to us right now out of Arlington Bowie. The other one, though, that these guys all know that I love, uh, Harold Perkins. Now, I know that right now looks like it's between us, LSU, A&M, but most people think A&M, that, and we have an outside chance. I mean, what would it take? What do you think? I mean, is it a possibility? 
I mean, it's a possibility. I wouldn't say it's a very high possibility. Uh, at the moment, what I, I mean, what I've heard and, you know, the times that I've spoken with Harold, I, I mean, I'm led to believe that A&M's kind of got him, you know, wrapped around their finger right now, though that could still change. I know he's, he's committing for the, uh, I think, it's, I believe it's the Under Armour All-American game. And so he's, he's done a good job of, you know, I'm going to carry it out the entire way. And he stuck to his word. Texas has done a great job. And, you know, Jeff Banks has been on him basically since he's gotten to, to, uh, to Austin. And so, you know, you look at what Choke, PK and, and Banks have been able to, to, to do to stay in this race long enough when, you know, like we said, the five and seven record is, is being compared to a team that just beat Alabama and a team, you know, that his family rooted, rooted for, uh, you know, the growing up in LSU, it's a testament to them. However, I, I at the moment don't think that Texas will come out on top there. But you would, would you have confidence in saying that Devon Campbell comes out on top with, with Texas? Uh, right now, I, I would say yes. I, I think Texas has put in the most work of any school and has, you know, the most sustained, which is wild to say, the most sustained relationship with Campbell of any school still in the race there with Lincoln having gone to USC, not bringing beating ball, who's staying with Venables in Oklahoma. Texas right now is the most sustainable staff, and that's wild to say, but I, I like Texas there. Yeah. It's wild, like the that, yeah. it's wild to think that we could have two freshmen on the O-line next year that could be dominant. Best player plays, bro. I'm done with it. I'm, like I'm these guys, these guys. Look at this point. It is crazy. It's nuts to think, especially knowing how. I mean, we really see it at an NFL level. These guys jumping from college to the pros. It's been a little different with Werfs and Slater, but in the past, guys have struggled. You know, kind of being freshmen and being rookies. But Worthy dominated. Bijan was sick when they finally let him get some run. Really, you know, kind of having these tackles play. I'm, I'm in for the best player plays as long as we win football games. That's what matters most to me. It would be crazy to see a couple, maybe even three freshmen on the offensive line. It's like that's nerve wracking. But if we have six, seven, six, five dudes, you know, then they're they're a combined weight of the entire horns up team. Like uh, it's like I'm I'm in. I'm, I'm that was nerve wracking until we saw what Worthy did, man. I, I don't give a hoot now I, if you're a freshman. Best player plays, bro. Like we need cats in there who gets it, who buys in. It's yeah, so man. weird to me too to even say that. Do you buy in? You chose that school. How do you not buy in? But yeah. it's a different time and a different era. But yeah, the, these guys who, who who don't have baggage, which is crazy to say, but they're, they're, that is a perspective. Um, so some we, we talked to some of the current guys, and they've had five, six coaches, which is mind blowing. And so these guys are coming in fresh. They are freshmen, but we're seeing freshmen, especially if you have the measurables, take care of business. You're seeing. Um, worthy, just come out and have an all-American year. And so, no, nah, man, I, I'm fired up about them all. I'm fired up about this class, talking to some of the admins, talking to some of, you know, the coaching staff. And then to have the changes we're having, you know, at the end of the day, Drayden gets a full, you know, head coaching job, you know, and then we go get choice. Oh, Cowboys, for any of you Cowboys fans up in here. Um, you, 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 we, I just think, one again, Clay, y'all. By the time you're like, all right, I'm gonna relax. Ah, something else happens. It's just what has been around this place. But at the same time, the response, I just feel so much better and confident about where we are versus what we saw, or you know, in the last few years. And and I, I would love to kind of hear your perspective on that same thing. Yes, the class speaks for itself, but Sark, the staff, 
CDC all involved, it just is starting to feel a little bit different to where I'm, I'm, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm just like, man, it, I, I, I am. appreciate where we I'll, are. I'll have <laughs> You're your, always drinking the Kool-Aid. Come on, I drink, I drink, I drink, I drink your Kool-Aid sometimes, bro. That's why we're <laughs> friends, bro. I drink for two. I mean, it's like the thing is, is like we go five and seven and we still and we have sweet. optimism. Like we're not even like bro, drowning we, in our sorrows. We're like, yeah. golly, that was awful. But then you have this class. You have the progress. You, you hear them talk about it. You appreciate Sark's honesty about the year. You pre- and you're like, I better you know be what? honest. Damn it. We're, we're going to be all right. We're, we're going to go do this thing. And I mean, so it's just, that's, yeah, it's just like any professional sport you have. If you have coaching consistency and you win your quote unquote draft, which that's what recruiting is in college football, then you feel better about your team than you did the last year. And so I think we'd be, we'd be fools not to feel a little bit better with the recruiting class that we have. Um, now they still yeah. got to do it. They got to, you know, put the hammer to the nail now and, and get to work. But we're, I don't know. Clearly, there's some optimism here from just the way we're yeah. talking about it. It's always close games. Anything, yeah, it can get worse. I mean, no, 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 no. All right, listen, you were you you had a great first 40 minutes with us, but no, sorry, Bob, baby. At that point, I gotta say, cat out of the bag. Look, can't can't get any worse, bro. Like closing games, it looked like me sophomore year college at a bar at 1 a.m. Cannot close, my friend. That's what that with yeah, bro. It it looks sad and desperate. That's what it looked like sometimes. Certain (laughs) points in game. Thanks, bro. Uh, all right, man. We told you the top. This is how we're closing it out. Your favorite Texas Longhorn memory could be anything. Anything. All right. Uh, I was 12 years old. I was going to Austin for spring break with my family. I was going to my first UT sporting event ever. It was a a baseball game. And Texas was, you know, top three, top five in the country or something like that. They were playing Nebraska. And I remember it. It was was a close game. Um, and I, I believe it was Cameron Rupp hit a walk-off home run. And it was the first walk-off home run I'd ever seen. It was the first Texas sporting event I'd ever been to. And it was just, it was, it was just like the perfect storm. And, and I, I think it was, it was 2010. So I'm pretty sure Texas did pretty well that year. So it was, it, that was a magical moment for me, no matter what. That's awesome. That's so man. cool. Rupp is such a good longhorn as well, man. He's, he's a beast. He's a good friend, bro. That that's awesome. And I have to share that, that memory and, Oh, our baseball talk about all the SEC stuff, dude. I'm fired up about what's coming on the baseball piece. Oh, yeah. But hey, and I will say we it was an interesting game, but we got a win on basketball before you leave too. We n- nice win, Coach Beard and crew today. But no, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Walk offs or next up? Yeah, they did not cover on BetOnline.ag. Our sponsor at the, <laughs> for, at the first half for Nick. <laughs> Nick texted us. He goes, "I finally bet on Texas first half. They couldn't cover for shit." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why I don't I li- bet. <laughs> I line line them. It's okay. Yeah. The, Nick, you always make it back, baby. Uh CJ, plug yourself, man. Before you let your rock and roll, it's an absolute pleasure, man, having you on anytime you want. You're in, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate y'all having me on. Uh you can find me on Twitter at CJ Vogel underscore TFB or at the footballbrainiacs.com. Awesome, man. Easy peasy lemon squeeze at CJ Vogel. I'm Joshua Fisher. That was Nicholas Snacks, Kreider, Alexander Tosopoulos, and the Quan Cosby. Horns up. Talking Texas. Get your horns up. We'll see you guys next time.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.